Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Great Gap Sale is here. Get up to 75% off in stores and online from June 21st through July 9th. Plus, don't miss great offers on logo styles from $7.99. In stores only from June 21st through the 23rd. Exclusions apply. Listening to Sean Harrison on Amp Life Talk Radio, a place for amputees and those dealing with limb loss. The views expressed on the show by the host, co-hosts, and guests are their own. Always seek medical advice from a licensed medical professional. And hello, 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 everyone. Well, tonight we got everything queued up. Everything's right. I did all my sound checks. Everything's good. I want to say welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Amp Life Talk Radio. So those of you that know about the show, you know that we deal with topics relevant to those that are amputees. Um, Let me go ahead and just say this real quick for you guys. Uh, welcome to Amp Life Talk Radio. Those of you that are listeners, those of you that are new listeners, welcome to Amp Life Talk Radio, a show for amputees and those affected by limb loss. That means caregivers, family members, doctors, skilled nurses, everyone. If you are uh, dealing with people or helping people who um, in their lives are dealing with some type of limb loss, this is the show for you. My friends, I want to let you know, if you're out there and you're dealing with limb loss, hey, you're not alone. This show here is a true testament of that. I am an amputee myself. Amp Life Talk Radio is the podcast where you get to hear an amputee talk about amputee relevant things and topics and issues that are important to all of us. And tonight, I uh, reach deep, deep, deep into the vault of all my little secret episodes. <laughs> so tonight, I actually reached in and I came up with this show. And this show is one to where um, I have to say, I know some of you out there do this, but I wanted to, to talk about this because it is such a relevant subject. And I will say this, it's probably one of the subjects that um, all of you have found yourself in this situation dealing with this very topic. And tonight's show, season three, episode three, can you believe that? Season three, three years, guys, I've been doing this with you. Season three, episode three deals with how soon should patients drive after lower extremity surgery? Now, I'm talking about not only amputations, I'm talking about partial foots, uh, broken ankles, getting rods, metal, and all that kind of stuff put into your lower extremities. And if you find that your upper extremity has been affected by some type of surgery too. So we're trying to cover the gamut of people out there driving while, uh, how can we say impaired? <laughs> um, so 
you probably haven't given much thought about this uh, as an amputee dealing with um, your, your issue. You just came out of surgery. You probably haven't even really thought about this at all. You probably just went on your way and just didn't really give it a lot of thought. Just, hey, man, I had surgery. I got to get you know to the grocery store. I got to go pick up my kids. I got stuff I got to do. Well, I did a show tonight because I want you to think about some things, the severity, the serious consequences, and the legal ramifications if you are out there driving while impaired after surgery, not only just medication-wise, but if you are wearing some type of brace or ortho or, we'll say, orthotic device, uh, and if you are an amputee and you're out there driving, there are some things you need to know. And this is the show that's going to help you understand some of those things. And I thought this was very relevant based on what I see every day. And my job, those of you that don't know, I'm no longer with uh, Synergy Prosthetics. I am working with Hanger Prosthetics, uh, awesome company corporation. And I am glad to be on board with them. Such a professional outfit and they have found a place for me in their fold. Uh, I'm part of the crew now, and I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of you out there. I have uh, a lot of exciting things that they're getting me involved with. So, um, and for those of you that don't know, I'm a patient advocate manager. So, uh, still doing all the peer support, uh, facilitating relationships with hospitals, doctors, skilled nursing facilities and amputees. I want us all to understand how to work together to provide better services to those people in need. Okay? So that just gives you the rundown. Now, back to the topic at hand. Those of you that are out there driving when you're not supposed to be driving. <laughs> and we're doing the show a little bit early tonight. It's mostly because I'm feeling uh, a little raspy in my voice i got a little sinus thing going on and i didn't want to wait too late and have that kick up and start getting really bad <laughs> so i'm starting early uh so that i still have my voice so if you see me drinking a lot of water you'll know why or if you hear me coughing you'll know why so let's get back to this how soon should patients drive after a lower extremity uh amputation or surgery or upper uh limb or let's say you broke your arm should you be behind the wheel? Should you be driving? Well, I'm giving you some information tonight that is going to be very valuable to you to understand what, um, <clears throat> where you could put yourself if you get behind the wheel after having some type of surgery done to your, your extremities, whether it's lower or upper. Okay, it doesn't necessarily have to deal with an amputation. <clears throat> I'm dealing with you being an impaired driver. You probably don't think of it that way, but you are. So, without further ado, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So, uh, the question we hear a lot, or I hear a lot, especially orthopedic doctors, doctor, when can I start to drive again? That's a common question patients ask when they're headed for lower extremity, upper extremity, or any type of surgery that's going to affect one of their limbs whether it's lower upper hands arms you broke an arm you broke a foot you're getting rods placed into something that's a typical question that we hear from patients but it's not always an an easy simple answer and that's what i want you to understand as we look at this topic tonight so as we get into segment one of the show the decision should I stay or should I go? We all know that song. Should I stay or should I go? That's the dilemma that you'll find yourself in as a, as a person who's dealing with some type of surgery and your arm or your leg has been affected and you want to drive. You want to get out there and you want to be able-bodied, running around, Mr. Social Butterfly, and you want to get back to driving. Well, <clears throat> there are some things you need to think about. Patients recovering from a primary um, driver right foot injury or surgery should think twice about 
how soon they want to begin driving again. According to a new study, and there are several studies out there on this, as I did my research, it takes much longer to brake when the driver is wearing an immobilization type of device, like a splint, a brace, a knee immobilizer, limb guard, um, than it does when you're not wearing anything. Hi, Jamie. So that's something to think about. That's going to be key in our talk tonight, thinking about that. When can I drive? That's the big question that we all want to ask the doctor. We want to get that <laughs> we want to get that confirmation. When can I get back to driving? Well, the answer doesn't come easily. Official uh, official guidelines are, are lacking. And depending on where you live, you might want to look into that um, and do your own research. Because what I found out is every place is different. Even every country is different. Ultimately, and I want you to hear me when I say this, ultimately, patient bears responsibility for the decision. Okay? If you decide to drive in the under these circumstances that we're talking about tonight, you bear the sole responsibility if something happens. Hear me out. You, the patient, will bear the sole responsibility if anything happens while driving impaired from any type of surgery or injury to your upper or lower extremity. I hope you guys get that. Now, check with your Department of Motor Vehicles, depending on where you live at in your area, to be safe, to know the rules of what they expect of you in these circumstances. On this episode of Amp Life Talk Radio, let's look at the this topic and some of the information I found while doing my research on this to bring it to you um, that should provide you with some knowledge on the topic. I think what I just quoted to you gave you some knowledge if you decide you're going to do this. Remember, all responsibility falls at your feet if you decide to do so. You may be able to do it, but if things go bad, it's going to be a blemish on you and you might find yourself paying for more than a doctor bill. So think, think twice, think twice, my friends, the decision to drive after an orthopedic injury or surgery, um, is a tough one. It's, it's riddled. It's murky waters when we're talking about legal and safety issues. Although driving is important to all of us and it's a big part of our lives and how we get things done there are no well-established guidelines or rules or policies determining when it is safe to to drive after an injury or amputation please understand that typically impairment in driving is an, an ability or we'll say the driving ability is measured by changing uh in the time needed to perform an emergency stop. So even for even if you're drunk, you're under medications, you just had surgery, you're taking narco, oxycodone, whatever you may be taking, that can all be taken into effect if you find yourself in an accident. And what they're looking at is can you perform emergency braking under the circumstances of driving? Now, one of the things I found is braking functions, um, people. Uh, were put through tests to find out when, uh, if you had some type of lower extremity to your driving foot, the time frames that you typically saw that you could use that foot in a normal manner to perform the emergency braking. Well, here's what they found. Four weeks after knee uh, orthoscopy was a good time frame that people could return to driving. Nine weeks after surgical uh, management of a fractured ankle, and I'm quite quite sure that's going to go for a foot too. Six weeks after the uh, initiation of weight bearing following a major lower extremity fracture. That's like your leg, your foot, your ankle. These are just some of the gauge time frames that they gave. Uh, in some of the studies when people could return to driving after suffering one of those. They're all different. 
they went into hip knee and they gave all pretty much the same type of time frames the biggest factor was weight bearing can you weight bear on that foot because pushing on your brake requires what pressure it requires you to put the foot down now studies showed in some of the research that i looked at patients may safely drive four to six weeks after a right total hip uh, orthoplasty or a total knee orthoplasty so patients should not uh, drive with a cast or a brace on the right leg upper extremity immobilization may cause significant impairment if the elbow is immobilized however some forearm casts may be uh, permissible you might be able to do those and like I said we're covering not only the lower body the upper body also remember 10 and 2 is how you're supposed to drive one hand at 10 one at 2 if you only got one at 10 or one at 2 are you safe to drive yeah your feet work good but are you able to maneuver so think about these things uh, when you're getting behind the wheel after you've had some type of uh, surgery to your extremities the question of when or it's safe for a patient to drive after some type of surgery to your extremities or while wearing a uh, device on your arm or your legs is one that practitioners should address well here's what we found too when we when we put that to the test it's not the case <laughs> I hate saying that but in the absence of formal guidelines clinicians doctors you know your orthos the people that are putting devices on you they found that there was a broad range of inconsistent answers with this telling people should they stay or should they go there is a point where common sense needs to kick in Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Amp Nation, my, my, my followers out there, there is going to be a certain point where common sense has to take over in this uh, situation where you find yourself in this predicament. If you are involved in an accident during the time of recovery from uh, injury or surgery to your lower limbs or upper extremities, especially your right foot, that right foot for all of you, you have to drive with your right foot. I know there's some of you out there that do the two foot method we were driving behind somebody the other night and they were doing that and it was driving me nuts. They're moving and the brake lights are coming on and you don't know if the guy's stopping or going. Um, even with that, you're still going to find yourself in a situation where the legal results could be devastating if you choose to, to venture down this road. Before we delve off into segment two of the show, I'm going to wet my whistle and make sure I'm able to talk to you guys for segment two. Stay tuned for segment two right after this brief little clip from my good friend Rich at Soul Effect.
segment two of the show. It's called Not Worth It. You know what I love about the, uh, the doing a live show on the internet? You know, most of these guys, they do the pre-recorded podcasts. <laughs> Me, I, I'm, I'm daring, I'm bold, I go live. And sometimes when you click on something, because you are counting on the internet and streaming, uh, you have a nice little pause. <laughs> I always go back in and clear those up for you guys so that uh, you really don't get to hear those as you uh, listen to the show. So uh, post-editing takes effect a couple days after each show, and I try to go in and clean up some of the, the, the hiccups that happen uh, while we're recording live. Remember, this is a live podcast. That's why I call it Amp Life Talk Radio, and uh, it is the podcast, but we do live shows, and I can't wait to the day we can get the uh, live phone calls back because I really enjoyed you guys being able to call in live to the show. And we will get bit, get back to that as soon as I can get some of these things figured out and figure out how to do everything from my little studio. I got to think of a name for my studio, guys. So you guys got to let me know, is it going to be like Studio 19, Studio 27, Studio 7? Uh, you guys give me some ideas on what I should call the studio here. So we're going to we're going to name our studio where all this stuff goes down. Should you drive after some type of surgery to your lower or upper extremities as a patient? Should you get back in behind the wheel? Segment two, we're going to look at this and it's called Not Worth It. There's a reason why I titled this segment two, Not Worth It. And we're going to delve into that and you're going to see. <clears throat> The question of when it's safe to drive following surgery is a slippery slope with all types of legal and safety considerations, as we've mentioned in segment one. Insurance companies put the responsibility for safe driving solely on the patient, the driver, as do law enforcement agencies. Remember that. Practitioners in the U.S. have not yet uh, been success successfully sued for providing improper return to, to driving instructions. But I found a 2017 Massachusetts case produced a uh, precedent for litigation stemming from uh, poor advice allegedly given by operating a vehicle while using a prescribed narcotic. Now, now it gets really tricky. The same uh, state passed legislation in 2010 that extends liability protections to physicians who breach patient privacy to report impaired drivers. So what does that mean? What that means is this. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Hey, I like that Amp One Studio, man. Brian, oh, I got I to gotta send you a coffee mug out for that. I like that, my brother. Thank you very much, Brian. I think uh, we're going to go with that. So, y'all, Brian came up with Amp One Studios. Brian, hey, thank you very much. Shoot me in a private message or address. Uh, we're about to get some more coffee mugs printed up. I'm going to send you a coffee mug on Amp Life Talk Radio, my brother. Thank you for that suggestion. Uh, Brian, I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, sir. So remember, this all gets back to you are responsible for everything that you do, um, no matter what happens. And, and why something like that is so important is because it's a legal precedent now. But in the same token, by giving those doctors those powers, what that means is this. Typically, you have some type of uh, client privilege with your doctor. He will not discuss your stuff. But if he feels that you're going to go out there and be a danger to people on the road, Massachusetts has decided that he can breach that uh, patient privacy clause and let law enforcement know that you're out there behind the wheel becoming a danger to yourself and to others. That's what that means. And he is not... Uh, at fault for that. Now, again, remember, look this up where you live at. I have so many of you that listen to the show nationwide and overseas. Know your law. Know where everything's at. And just know 
Um, this is something that you need to really research because we're all going through uh, some type of surgery, man. Everybody is going through some type of surgery. Every orthopedic doctor's office I walk into has somebody in there scooting around on a little wheel, <laughs> the little wheel things, or they've got a big boot on. And I see a lot of people getting in and out of their cars that just drove themselves to their appointment. Keep in mind, if something goes wrong, you are at fault 100%. You cannot come back to your doctor and, and say he told me so. Very important stuff. Share this with a friend tonight. Make sure this episode gets out there to people. So people, I'm trying to keep you guys safe, Amp Nation. I don't want you guys getting in trouble. Uh, I don't want you listening to me from uh, the county. <laughs> I don't want you. I don't want you in county lockup listening to the show, man. <laughs> so, uh, do you know if your state or county has this law or a law similar to what we just discussed? Now, as a clinician, be aware and awareness of the difficulty in deciding when a patient can return to driving uh, is driven by the belief that the medial legal environment is more uncertain today uh, than in the past. So that environment, being a practitioner, a doctor, a clinician, you need to understand that that circle, that world we live in today is very uncertain today. Nobody has really addressed this and put something on the books that deals with it. Maybe there is, but right now I think it's being left up to the DMV and law enforcement. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show if you find yourself in that situation. Um, basically, the fact that laws uh, impacting uh, the issue very, uh, very greatly depending on where you're at, state to state, country to country. There's laws in, uh, I think there's Sweden, UK, and other places where they have different laws for this type of subject. Now, um, the decreased time available uh, for practitioners to interact with the patients in a clinical visit or setting, I think the growing population of Asian or aging patients uh, many of whom already are anxious about losing their license and are scared of that. Given that we don't get to spend as much time with people, I think this subject, it, if it is brought up, it's not properly being addressed. And the importance of it is not really being discussed and talked about. Patients and doctors must feel they are not putting uh, themselves or others at risk and the patient uh, must be confident in their abilities to resume driving hello Susan now should a doctor report or restrict driving after an injury let's say you're his patient and he's telling you hey I don't think you should drive I think you should have people you know helping you get around uh, treatment or an amputation you have an injury, you have some type of treatment he's doing with you, God forbid you, you went in for an amputation, either to your upper or lower extremities, I think doctors should always have this conversation with their patients, even the ortho people, the clinicians that are going to be putting the devices actually on you. I have said this, and I'm going to keep saying this throughout our show tonight, remember there is no such thing as clearance to drive. Law enforcement and insurance agencies consider it to be your responsibility solely, 100%, to ensure you can drive safely after some type of injury or surgery, God forbid, an amputation. It, it falls at your feet. Okay, if you're out there doing this, this is why I wanted to talk about the subject tonight is because I know so many of you do it and 
we don't think twice about it. And it's just like, hey, man, well, I got to drive. I got to get here and I got to do this. Well, if things go bad, somebody's got to sue you. So you want to be careful, not to mention all the other legal ramifications that can come from that. Points on your driving record. Uh, you might lose your license. There's so many things that can happen. So I know it's not easy to give up your car in this day and age, but we're going to talk about some of that coming up here in segment three, where we're going to address uh, what this issue really needs is for us to be honest. Not only the patient, but the caregivers themselves. We all need to be honest when we are faced with this topic and uh, I think hearing what we have to say on that will make you understand and feel a little bit better about that. That's why I say to you guys, this show is not only just for amputees and those affected by limb loss. This show is for everyone who cares for amputees and deals with someone that has been affected in some way to where their mobility, their independence has been affected. <clears throat> Segment three, we talk about be honest. One of the most common questions people ask after going uh, under some type of medical procedure is, when can I start driving again? When can I get behind the wheel? How am I supposed to get myself to work? How am I supposed to take my kids to school? How am I so... It, 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 it never ends. And there's a lot of pressure behind that as a medical professional trying to tell someone how they're supposed to go about their life when you really know that they probably shouldn't be driving. Many orthopedic surgeons find it very difficult to provide an honest assessment of patients' abilities to resume driving. No one wants to be that bad guy. No one wants to feel the wrath <laughs> of a mom that can't pick up her kids. Um, one study showed that approximately 67% are uneasy counseling patients with regards to this topic and subject. For a variety of clinical and ethical and we use that medical legal reasons. Um, it's hard. It's tough to have this discussion. We also found, or the studies found, 10% refuse to provide any answer outright. Like telling a patient, no, you're not supposed to drive. You can't drive. Do not drive. Or, hey, yeah, sure, you can drive. So with those numbers being so different, how is a patient supposed to know if he can get behind the wheel and continue with his life after some type of injury or surgery or amputation to one of their extremities, whether it's lower or upper? Well, most practitioners and doctors, I would hope would say they do not allow or tell their patients they shouldn't be driving <clears throat> if the patient is still wearing some type of uh, brace, uh, orthotic on their foot, limiting range of motion, a knee immobilizer, which most of you guys know is a limb guard. Um, even on your left foot and you're a right foot driver, things can go awry, things can get in the way depending on where you're at. You just got out of surgery and you're trying to drive yourself to, you know, the doctor. Any little thing can happen. Uh, I know of one young guy who I had an opportunity to talk to who... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Back behind the wheel, driving this car, man. I had the uh, opportunity to sit and watch him drive into the facility where I was going to see him at. And <laughs> having no foot didn't slow him down. But that's what I'm saying. We're out there and we're, we think we can just go back to our normal driving habits. But we can't go back to those normal driving habits. Things could happen. Things can go wrong. Um, and you are a you're impaired, man. It's not that you're drunk, but hey, if you're dealing with that and you're still taking your your medication, that's a double whammy. That's two points, man. That's that's all bad. Um, the simple answer uh, is that it depends. It really does depend on the patient, the circumstances, and where you're at in that process of you just had something uh, done to you, whether you were freshly injured. You had a surgery. It's been a while. So it really does depend. That's the simple answer. Um, and it depends on, you're probably asking what? What does it depend on? Uh, those were just a few examples. And you're probably thinking, well, I'm, I'm good. I can drive. Well, okay. I'm not telling you you can't. But I'm just letting you know what happens if something happens. Okay? That's what you need to know. And that's what I'm trying to provide tonight. Determining when it's safe to drive following an orthopedic procedure or an injury depends on several factors. Let's look at some of those. If a body part is immobilized or a joint cannot bend, you should probably not be driving. As we all know, driving involves <clears throat> very specific movement uh, that needs to be accomplished without impairment before you can even consider uh, sitting behind the wheel. Next, if you have a limited range of movement, range of motion of your body part, upper or lower, you need to objectively uh, assess how much your driving is impaired at that moment. For example, if you uh, require extra hand and arm movements to turn the steering wheel, you're operating with one hand and you're trying to swing that right. Or have to adjust your foot position when pressing on the brake pedal. Or your driving is likely going to be impaired at that point. To the point where you are less in control of the vehicle that you're sitting in. Next, if the body part is not involved in driving, you still need to approach driving with caution. Because in the end, there are a few body parts that are not involved in navigating a vehicle. If your neck is injured or your back is sprained, it can affect your ability to look over your shoulder. Heck, nowadays, what affects people's ability to look over their shoulders, they got their phone up to their head. <laughs> I see people like that all the time. So, Finding your blind spot is very important when you're out there navigating the roads. We've, we've all been out there on the roads and seen people that drive way too fast. They don't use blinkers. They're in and out of lanes before you know it. Now, just think if you had something wrong with you and you really can't keep that head on a swivel stick and be looking around where people are coming from, you're now impaired. You're an impaired driver. Um, <clears throat> think about that. And last, what we need to think about is if any form of sedative is being used, drugs, I was saying back on the other show, the reefer. So if you're out there on the pills, man, and you're on the goofy medicine, um, that right there in itself, uh, like I said, is going to be a big issue uh, with you driving and especially using those painkillers killer, or sedatives. And you have uh, an impairment uh, to one of your extremities. That's uh, that's two strikes, buddy. So we don't want to do that kind of stuff because 
you know, think about it if you did hurt somebody and, you know, that goes south for you and it can go south for you really quick. So we don't want to do stuff like that. I want you guys to be safe out there. I want you to, to love each other and I don't want you to get out there and get in careless accidents trying to do way too much. We try to uh, do the things we do and sometimes we need to ask for help. And that's another big issue that we all know that as amputees, sometimes it's hard to ask for. And sometimes, yes, it's hard to find. Who, whose responsibility is it? I think you kind of know that from the information I've told you about all throughout the show. Whose responsibility is it? Well, before I get into that, going to wet my whistle. I need to quit drinking carbonated water. <laughs> For those of you that see me, I really need to stop drinking carbonated water, but it is so refreshing and so good. So let's take a quick break. Let me uh, wet my whistle. And we're going to get back uh, into this topic and we're going to kind of wrap the show up, but we're going to talk about whose responsibility is it if we're out there driving under these circumstances. <laughs> Again, like I said, it is always nice to see how <laughs> things just just pause and just don't want to play. Um, either way, we push through. We push through. Marissa, hello. How are you? Glad that you're on board with us tonight. We're talking about an awesome topic. Glad to have you here. So let's get into whose responsibility is it if you're out there driving impaired after some type of surgery, injury, or amputation to one of your extremities, okay? Although your practitioner or your orthos, your doctor, are all often involved in providing you with information, braces, uh, immobilizers, and all the different things that you're going to be wearing, <clears throat> they generally do not consider the question of driving when they make clinical decisions based on your care or on the type of bracing they're going to be recommending to you as a person who is coming to them for care. A lot of times this doesn't come up unless you specifically do it or the doctor somehow just thinks about it. If you have to ask uh, one of these people who's taking care of you and providing you with your care after uh, surgery or an injury. If you have to ask them, you already know the answer. Let's let's be honest with each other. You already kind of know the answer. You're basically looking for permission. You're looking for that permission to do something that you know you shouldn't be doing. It's the kid in us. It's what we do. So if we know that we have to ask that question, we probably know that we probably shouldn't be doing it. Patients, doctors, and clinicians should also keep in mind that if a condition is dire or that bad enough to warrant possible surgical intervention, it might already be compromising the ability of you driving um, already to be able to conduct the emergency stopping test. Can you stop under an emergency situation? Can you swerve under an emergency situation to avoid crashing into somebody or running over a pedestrian, pedestrian before the surgery is even performed? So that right there, hopefully answers a little bit of your question. Now, medical liability we need to touch on that a little bit. 
because we're in this section where we're talking about um, who's, you know, if we're going to be honest with each other, who's liable, okay? We need to talk about medical liability. Now, technically speaking, doctors cannot make any determination regarding the safe operation of a motor vehicle that you're in. Despite what some might tell you, I know doctors love getting on that high horse and I'm your doctor, I can tell you this. Well, be <laughs> be cautious about that. Because despite what you might be told or information you might get, your doctor, I want to say this very clear, your doctor can neither clear nor release you to drive a car and is in no way liable if you get behind the wheel and get in an accident. Did you hear me? Your doctor is neither cleared to say that you are clear. He does not have that authorization or that power to clear you or release you to drive a car. And he is in no way liable, responsible, to blame. You can't sue him if you decide to get behind the wheel. While your doctor can advise you whether operating a vehicle is unsafe, he or she cannot make the decision or make that legal determination as whether your driving is actionable under the law. Okay? The person that's going to do that is who? We talked about it earlier. It's going to be your local law enforcement officer when he shows up and you've crashed your car. Or you can go down to the police station before doing it and ask that question. Find out before you find out, if you know what I mean. Talk to your DMV. Go see what they say. Legal determination. It's another term. The only way to make a legal determination of your driving ability is to take a test with the appropriate training or trained license authority. Most typically, your local department of motor vehicles, the DMV, go down there. I know here in California, it, it, it's bad. You'll be waiting for a while. This is especially true if you are faced with a long-term recovery that's going to affect your life for quite a while or you have sustained permanent impairment as the result of your injury hint, amputation uh, some type of disease or surgery get down to the DMV and find out I get patients that ask me this all the time I had a guy who was a truck driver and he wanted us to, to go to bat for him with the DMV to let him know that he can go back to driving I had to tell him we can't do that, buddy. You know, you need to go to the DMV and find out what's now. We can provide, we can provide you information about your foot and the prosthetic device, but we cannot go to bat for you at the DMV. You need to go to the DMV, talk with them, and find out. Now, here's what I did find out. Got some information for you guys coming up here, in I think it's segment four. I put this in there for you. While there are no exceptions to returning to driving, as far as timelines, most state laws will dictate that you are incapable of driving if you take a wearing, you are taking, uh, wearing a device such as a splint, cast, or brace that limits your ability. So if you are wearing one of these face, uh, devices, a brace or a splint or a cast or something like that. If you're wearing something like that and it's limiting your joint mobility, range of motion, you better check. You are taking an opioid or painkiller or some type of narcotic to deal with pain or other drugs that can cause drowsiness, slow reaction times. You might be impaired. You might need to check in. You would likely need to schedule a uh, driving test 
with a local DMV or a certified evaluator using your own vehicle. Most DMVs offer a specialized test for people who have um, sustained some type of injury or impairment to one of their extremities or have been diagnosed with mobility or movement disorders. Get to the DMV, folks. Get it checked out before you get behind the wheel. Segment four. But people are stubborn. <laughs> Did I say that loud? <laughs> yes, people can be stubborn, man. Especially when you tell them they can't drive their vehicles. I need to operate my vehicle, man. So people can be stubborn. No matter what we tell them, no matter what advice you give them, no matter how many times you tell them, people can be stubborn. Now, if you are one of these stubborn folks and you're out there and you're going to drive, I want to let you know something. No matter how problematic, prob, uh, problematic a foot or a knee or an injury, amputation, arm, broken arm, splinted arm, no matter how much of a problem um, that may be, many patients want to continue driving and they're not going to listen to what I say or doctor says, a uh, practitioner, clinician, they're not going to listen to what anybody says. They're going to do it without regard to the damage that can be done, which is sad because you're basically placing your life and other people's lives in danger by doing so. Not only is the decision to drive after a lower extremity orthopedic injury or some type of surgery, keep in mind, upper body too. It is riddled with the legal and safety issues uh, that can come from if something goes wrong. It can cause further injury actually to you if you're out there and you get into a major accident. There are no definitive guidelines regarding the proper length of time you should take off between driving and healing. <clears throat> the problem with getting behind the wheel Here's the problem with that. If you're one of these people who's just going to be hard-headed, you're not going to listen to advice, and you're just going to go out there and do whatever you want to do, the problem with getting behind that wheel, the main concern with the patients who decide to return to driving is being able to make that emergency stop when necessary. And that is the inability to control your car. This inability could compromise not only your safety, but your passenger safety, people around you, their safety, and the safety of others on the road. Two other safety concerns come to mind. Patients who are in pain. You're taking the pain meds. You got a painful limb, whether it's upper or lower. That pain could affect you in a very detrimental way. Pain might make you reluctant to press the gas pedal or to grip the steering wheel tightly for fear of causing more pain. And those driving a car with a manual transmission require both feet to operate the vehicle. Think about that. I did find the National Highway Transportation and Safety Board recommends not driving with a splint or any type of immobilization vice, device that is going to limit your range of motion or motion, period. Um, and it states this in their, their, their book. It states this very clearly. And it states it... Uh, in the physician's guide, the physician has an ethical responsibility to assess patients' physical or mental impairment that might adversely affect driving abilities. 
They clearly state this in the uh, National Highway Transportation and Safety Board handbook or their rules. From Minnesota. Okay. All right. Melissa's from Minnesota. Hello, uh, Melissa. Welcome to the show of BBK. So that is, uh, I take that you're bilateral below the knee amputee and you drive with no assistance. Man, you're bold. You are bold. Um, shoot me a private message and let me know how you do that. Listen to the show tonight, young lady, because you want to understand the legal ramifications of that if something happens. And have you checked in with the Minnesota uh, Highway Patrol or DMV? Be safe. Be safe. That's what the show's all about tonight is being safe out there. I did find this. The American Medical Association also has notes in its code of medical ethics uh, that physicians have a responsibility to assess impairments that can affect patients and their driving. The importance of driving for patients, particularly those who uh, have no other means to get around, do what they need to do, get to clinic for follow-ups, and take care of themselves, increases the risk of non-compliance with restrictions related to driving and devices and narcotics and medications. Orthopedic surgeons uh, in some of the outlying areas like we have here, Modesto, Atwater, Merced, <clears throat> where you have urban areas, long ways to get to the doctor. Um, we find that the percentage of people in those situations are higher as far as driving while impaired, which is not a good thing, okay? I know public transportation is a big issue, uh, even in this day and age of Lyft and Uber and medical transport. A lot of that breaks down to economics because of cost um, and time. Um, hopefully, you can figure something out. I would definitely talk to a social services person or a case manager if you're at a facility and you're about to be discharged. See if there's any um, type of help that you can get with that once you leave the facility and you have to continue your treatments with doctors for follow-ups and so forth. Studies definitely uh, have shown us that the numbers out there and for this topic, there needs to be more research and there definitely needs to be some type of guidance laid down. We definitely need that. And hopefully, my friends, this show tonight has helped you with a little bit of this because I do know how hard it is to go through some type of injury, uh, surgery, limb loss to your upper or lower extremities and then have to worry about getting out there and, and getting to where you need to be at, especially if you don't have a good support structure system in place. It can be, um, it can be a bummer. It can be hard. There's no other way to put it. I just want to put some information out there to make sure you're safe and you're thinking about this and you understand the legal ramifications. Conclusion. Let's wrap this up. Let's conclude this show. And what I want to say is this. When the driver uh, or when you drive or when to drive may differ for each individual that's out there. So it's difficult to issue a blanketed recommendation for everyone because we're all different. Younger patients, older patients. It's going to be so drastically different. Even like you just saw Melissa, she talks about she's in Minnesota um, and she's a bilateral below the knee and she drives with no assistance. So it's all different for everybody. <clears throat> there are some uh, physically fit people who are just, you know, freaks of nature and they can get out there and do stuff because pain levels are high or they're just very uh, inept to be able to adapt very quickly to uh, their new environments and their new situations. Older people tend to adapt slower or not be able to adapt at all. If you do drive and are involved in an accident, here is what I really want you to pay attention to. Melissa, please. If you are, know this. If a patient has had surgery, 
or is seen wearing a restrictive device when they get out of the car following a collision, they can expect that fact to be noted by the investigators as well as other parties that were involved that you possibly hit and likely will be listed as a contributing cause of the crash or wreck or accident. Please think about that. Please think about it. Even if you have been an amputee for a while and you get involved in an accident, know that that's probably going to come up in your report or the accident itself. And people will try to use that against you in a collision. So make sure you have yourself covered. You've went down to the DMV and got your clearance. They know that you are dealing with some type of limb loss or some type of a, a restrictive range of motion in your arms or your legs, but you have been given clearance to drive the roads and you are not uh, an endanger and you are a safe driver. One of the things that I found that you can do, depending on where you live, there is something out there called the Driver Evaluation Program. Depending on where you live, Driver Evaluation Programs are a resource that many clinicians and patients may not even know are, are there. You're not even know, you're not even aware of it. But I found it doing my research for this show. Uh, any individual with strong cognitive abilities can uh, compensate for physical impairments with a little bit of training. And these people will do that for you. They will help you with the adaptive devices or a vehicle or vehicular modifications to your ride. Driver rehabilitation assistance is offered by trained specialists, including occupational therapists uh, who have a clinical background. Uh, they're engineers and driver educators. They're experts at this and they can help you uh, get your stuff all tidied up to where if you're in a situation like this, you can get the proper training. Currently, there are people driving scared because they have a medical condition that threatens uh, to, to take away their license, their ability to be able to drive. There is help for you with these people. Remember what I said, where are you trying to go? The American Occupational Therapy Association. They have a website. Go check it out. I added it this morning to the resource page on amplifetalkradio.com. That's amplifetalkradio.com. Go to the resource page. I added that link. Click over there. Look at some of the things they have to offer. If you find yourself in this situation, they have some great resources there that could help you out if you want to make sure you're being safe behind the wheel. Now, as an amputee or someone affected by limb loss behind the wheel, um, it's better to be safe than sorry. I know some of you hearing this uh, and thinking I'm crazy for even doing this show or this show does not apply to you. Let me leave you with this one thought as we wrap up here, as we do this conclusion. How will you feel if your granddaughter or grandkids um, chases a ball into the street in front of a car and you're driving it, impaired, injured, fresh out of surgery, on medication, limited range of motion. You don't even know if you can stop the vehicle. How would you feel knowing that situation do you feel comfortable being behind the wheel with that child's life in your hands? Something to think about, my friends. Something to think about. Let me wrap this up. Whether you're a patient, okay, uh, who has had knee surgery, hip surgery, foot surgery, amputation, um, we all need to be safe. We all need to think about this. We all need to be aware. Information is what makes us smarter. Not having the information does not help us out, and we make poor decisions based on that lack of information. Tonight, I tried to give you some information to give you some of that knowledge to know 
if it's safe for you to be behind that will. And if you do get behind the will, at least you know now that all responsibility falls at your feet and no one can be blamed for your choice to get out there and drive behind the wheel. A car can be a danger to yourself and your community. It becomes a weapon if you're impaired. Don't go out there and get behind the wheel when you know that you shouldn't be. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Amp Life Talk Radio. Please leave me a review or some comments on the Facebook page. Amp Nation, I'm appreciative of what you have done for me in this show. Our numbers are reaching 400. I'm adding video to the new site, uh, amplifetalkradio.com. You'll get to see all the live video over there. Um, that is going to be the number one place to see all video of the show as I do these shows. Please do leave me comments, questions, concerns, and please make sure you add all of our other social media pages on Instagram and Twitter. The handles are at AmpLifeCON. <clears throat> if you would like to uh, be on the show and come on and be a part of this and tell your story, please drop me a message at Sean, S-E-A-N, at AmpLifeTalkRadio.com. I am so appreciative and thankful for each and every one of you and what you do for me in this show. Spread it. Please tell everybody that there's a show out there just for us. Again, thank you for listening to Amp Life Talk Radio and everyone have a blessed and wonderful evening. You are listening to Sean Harrison on Amp Life Talk Radio, a place for amputees and those dealing with limb loss. The views expressed on the show by the host, co-hosts, and guests are their own. Always seek medical advice from a licensed medical professional. Get to Old Navy today. All tees, all shorts, and all dresses are on sale now for 50% off. That's right. Get 50% off all tees, 50% off all shorts, and 50% off all dresses. Get the styles you want most right now with shorts from just 12 bucks for adults, 8 bucks for kids. Tees start at just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. Don't miss out. Hurry into Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 619 to 626. Excludes in-store clearance, active, licensed, men's packaged, flag styles. The Great Gap Sale is here. Get up to 75% off in stores and online from June 21st through July 9th. Plus, don't miss great offers on logo styles from $7.99. In stores only from June 21st through the 23rd. Exclusions apply.